because God is holy and infallible and his word is holy and infallible. Uh, We will stand to give honor to the word of the Lord as we turn to Luke 8. So let's stand as we turn to Luke 8. We'll start reading at verse 4. This is the word of the Lord. When a large crowd was coming together and those from various cities were journeying to him, He spoke by way of a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. And, as, and he said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God But to the rest, it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart, so that they will not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good manner and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Let's pray. We thank you, our glorious Lord. You are the one who is the great sower of seed, and you are the one who can bring that seed to life and to bring it to bear forth much fruit. By your word and spirit, we pray that you would till up the hardness of our hearts, that you would make us fertile ground, fertile soil to receive and believe your word, and thereby that we might grow and bear forth much fruit, even unto salvation. For we ask all these things through the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. There are a whole lot of things that you can learn from keeping a garden. Um, Some of you I know have a green thumb and some of of you would say you don't have a green thumb. But just to give you a little example of how in life people can be like plants. If you take a plant and you, you, uh, you water it too much, 
can cause root rot and it'll die. And other plants, if you don't water it enough, it'll die. So you have to give it just the right amount. People like that. You have to give them the right amount of love and tenderness, but you can't give them too much sometimes. But you have to get everything right, right amount of light, right amount of sunshine, the right amount of uh, nutrients in the soil. Too much is not good. Too little is not good. pH has to be just right sometimes for some other plants. It's very complicated. But there are lessons in life. And Jesus, as we look at today's text, gives us lessons regarding agriculture that were good and fitting for us to, to grasp. Before we go there to look at this parable that Jesus preaches here, I want us to go back and look at a little bit of uh, what was said about Jesus prior in this gospel account. In Luke four thirty-two, it says that the people who heard and the Lord Jesus were amazed at his teaching, for his message was with authority. It wasn't like the teaching of the Jewish leadership, the scribes, the lawyers, the Pharisees of the days of Christ. I want to read you a little portion from Ligonier Ministries. It's a devotional online. I put a footnote if you want to go back and read that article later. But this is what the authors of Ligonier Ministries wrote. It says, the scribes taught by citing the opinions of various rabbis on different matters. They appealed not to their own authority, but to the authority of others. Christ, on the other hand, did not appeal to the authority of various, various rabbis. He instructed the people. Uh, rather, as Matthew Henry comments, Jesus taught as one who knew the mind of God and was commissioned to declare it. Jesus knew the mind of God because Jesus was and continues to be God and man in two distinct natures and one person forever. Jesus proved that he was divine already in this gospel account. He had the authority to forgive sins. Jesus healed many of miraculous in a miraculous fashion. He cast out demons. Now, if you look back in the Old Testament, you find examples of um, the Old Testament prophets healing people, even resurrecting people from the dead. Yet you've never seen an example of a prophet casting out demons. Yet Jesus did that. As we get to our text in verse 4, it says when a, a, a large crowd was coming together, the reason they were coming together was because of his fame, of his teaching, and his miraculous works. When they were coming together, it says uh, those of, from various cities were journeying to him. And then when the crowds gathered, he spoke to them by a way of a parable. As we look at today's text, the main focus is that you are to understand God's kingdom according to the parable of the soils. There are three main points to this sermon. The parable of the soils the purpose of parables, and then the interpretation or Jesus' interpretation of the parable. Let's look at first at the parable of soils. Now, ideally, when you go out to plant a field, you want that field looking just right. You want to get that soil well prepared so that the entire field, or as at my house I have a raised bed, you want the entire raised bed to be in a sufficient order where the whole thing will be producing whatever you want to grow in it, right? 
but that wasn't the case with this particular field. Some of the field was ready and well prepared, but other portions were not really fit for growth. Only one out of four of the soils in this particular field was ready to bear forth crops without complications. So let's look a little bit at each of these four different soils. You have this wayside or hard-packed soil in verse 5. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Now, the Greek word here used for road could be translated road or way, but um, you probably heard the, the wayside. Um, this was a path used for the farmers and for his helping hands who would go out in the field and do the work. If you think about it, how many times did they walk on this path to get to the field and to, to plant? They would walk on it to till the ground. They would walk on it to fertilize the, the ground. They would walk on it to plant. They would walk on that path to weed. They would walk on it back and forth many, many times. And as the sun baked down on this hard-packed path, it got even harder. And every time the man was casting seed, now when you, when you cast seed, you don't purposely want to cast seed on the path, but if you're broadcasting seed abroad, some of it's going to inevitably fall on that path. And that's what it's talking about here. Some seed fell on this hard-packed, earth-baked way or road, and birds of the air came and snatched it up. How could birds resist? The seeds are not falling down into the soil. They're out in the open on that hard surface, so the birds grab them up and snatch them. Then you have this rocky soil in verse 6. Other seed fell on rocky soil. As soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Um, maybe you can imagine soil just filled with tons of gravel, or some have theorized that this could be a a bed of rock with a little layer of, of soil on top where seeds would germinate and produce, but as they got a little older, um, there's no moisture to be held because there's not enough soil, it's just a lot of rock, and then it withers away in the sun. It's not fit for growing plants. Then we have this thorny, weed-laden laden soil. Thorny, weed-laden soil in verse 7. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out. Um, we do have some thorny weeds in Louisiana. We have what we would call the thistle. Uh, it looks kind of like a dandelion, but it's covered with thorns all over the leaves. And I've never met these weeds until I lived in central Louisiana, and I started helping take care of weeding on the church property. But we have these long, viney, thorny, ivy-like weeds here. And the only way you're going to get rid of those babies is to dig them up. And if you want to pull them out by hand, you better get some Kevlar gloves because they will pierce through your gloves no matter what. I, I've worn two pairs of gloves to pull them out, and, they, and they're still uh, very, very tough. But these weeds can grow around your plants, and they can choke out any growth that your plant wants to get because they take the nutrients and they take the light that your plant needs. Then you have this good, fruitful soil in verse 8. Other seed fell into the good soil, and it grew up and produced a crop 
a hundred times as great. So it's not packed down, it's freshly tilled, it's not full of rocks, not full of weeds, it's perfect for growing. And the, feed, the seed falls into this well-tilled, fresh soil and it produces uh, fruit. Now Jesus told this parable and as he was telling this parable in verse 8, he says, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now the disciples are like scratching their head and saying, I don't know if Jesus, if we've got spiritual ears to hear or not because we don't understand this. But because they couldn't make sense of it, that's why they then went and asked the Lord Jesus for a private explanation. And then Jesus then doesn't go straight into the explanation, but he then goes into telling them the purpose of parables. That's the next main point, the purpose of parables. Look at verses 9 through 10. His disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. And he said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. So Christ first answered his disciples by saying, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, verse 10. Now, people often think of a mystery as something that's like a secret that cannot be known. Oh, if if it's a mystery, no one can know it. It's a mystery. But that's not the sense in the context here in the way that Jesus uses the word mystery or mysterion in the Greek. Um, It is a revelation of God which in times past was not really that clear. It was a revelation of God that was maybe in types and shadows but has become clear through the preaching and teaching and the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, it's not just Jesus that revealed or revealed the mysteries. It's also the, the New Testament writers as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. They took things that were Old Testament mysteries, you could say, and revealed them and pointed to Jesus as being the fulfillment of that. If you look in Matthew the, the enormous number of prophecies fulfilled in Christ. You look in Hebrews and the enormous numbers of prophecies fulfilled in Christ. Um, this is a topic for another sermon, but I, I just found this out by doing more research that you know, Paul uses the word mystery in his writings in a fourfold fashion, and some of it has to do with the end times and things of that sort. So, I'm not going to go that route, but maybe that would be a good lesson for a Sunday school or even maybe a sermon series. But uh, the context that's used here is mystery is something in times past hidden, now made clear. And that's what is being made clear to these who are the disciples of Jesus. In verse 10, Jesus showed his disciples, those who had a special elect status, that they were those who were chosen by God in comparison to the rest of the community. The gospel went out to the Jew first and then secondly to the Gentile. Paul went out preaching to the the Jew first and then to the Gentile, then became later a a preacher to the Gentiles. In the book of Hebrews, it's there in your outline, 
um, not in the book of Hebrews, in the book of John, uh, chapter 1, verse 11, it says that Jesus came first to his own. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. So, but to them, to those who were his disciples, to them it had been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So most of the religious elite, the lawyers, the scribes, the Pharisees, rejected Jesus. Yet instead, you have fishermen, tax collectors, notorious sinners, people who were not trained to be uh, the religious elite. To them it had been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So in God's divine plan, Jesus was speaking parables as a partial fulfillment of Isaiah 6-9. Maybe you didn't catch that, but when Jesus says, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand, that is a prophecy of Isaiah 6-9. And I would say he's giving here a partial fulfillment of this prophecy. Why do I say partial? Because Paul uses this verse again at the very end of the book of Acts uh, when it's recorded about Paul teaching the, the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah, they rejected Jesus as the Messiah. So he repeats this passage from Isaiah, but in a longer form in that, at the end. Another answer for why Jesus was speaking in parables, so that some would see and not hear and believe, is found later on in a, in a little preview of the, of the f- a future sermon, is found in Luke 11. Just turn there with me. Luke 11, starting in verse 46. Jesus said, Woe to you, lawyers, as well, for you weigh down, for you weigh men down with burdens hard to bear while you yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and it was your fathers who killed them. So you are witnesses and approve the deeds of your fathers, because it was they who killed them, and you build their tombs. For this reason also the wisdom of God said, I will send to them prophets and apostles, And some of them they will kill, and some of them they will persecute. So that the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the house of God. Yes, I tell you, it shall be charged against this generation Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter, and you hindered those who were entering. Here we have Jesus giving the reason why he spoke in parables, because some of them God intended to exercise judgment upon them, and they brought that judgment upon themselves. Even at the crucifixion of Jesus, when Asked by Pilate, why not? Why do you want to crucify this Jesus? Let his blood be upon us and upon our children, they cried out. And 
it was enacted and executed upon them and their children. So Jesus asks, well, they ask Jesus about interpreting this parable. Jesus gives them the reason. He tells them why he's speaking in parables. And then starting in verse 11, he gives them the interpretation of the parable. Look at verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word. So the seed in this parable is Holy Scripture, the word of God. Christ went on to teach that each of these soils, these four soils, three were not viable and only one brought forth fruit. These four soils represented mankind. Let's look at uh, the um, first, the wayside hearer. That's the one on the road or the path. Verse 12, those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. So the soil is so hard packed, the seed cannot penetrate into the soil to grow. And that's the way some people's hearts are. It's as if they're wearing a bulletproof metal Kevlar vest and nothing can penetrate into it because it's, it's, it's impenetrable. Some people hear the word in that fashion, yet the word of God cannot penetrate. And the reason we're told here in this text is because it's left on the open ground. It's not even in, it doesn't penetrate at all. Satan comes and snatches away the word and they do not receive it. The devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. Perhaps you've met people like this. Absolutely absolutely no conviction or reception or they just totally are rejecting the word of God. Then you have in verse 13 the rocky soil hearer. Those on the rocky soil are those when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. Such a, um, a hearer, as mentioned here, they can maybe sprout up quick and have a, a positive reaction to the preaching of God's word. They have a newfound faith, maybe that that seems appealing and it, it offers promise. They can be zealous, encouraging, and refreshing. I mean, when you have people in the church that receive the word of God, it's refreshing, isn't it? The only problem with this soil, that as soon as it sprouts up, because of the rockiness of that soil, it has no moisture for the roots to bring up and the plant withers away. And it says that such hearers are those who fall away from the faith because they are not rooted. And here we find they're not rooted in Christ. Beware of being rooted in something or someone else other than Jesus. If you're rooted in a cult of personalities of individuals and persons, when that person leaves your church, it might be a temptation for you to fall away. Your, your rootedness must be in Jesus. And not in me and not in any other person, but in Christ. Then we have the thorny, weed-laden 
here. So it's not just weeds, but it's thorny weeds. Verse 14, the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard. And as they go on their way, they are choked by worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. Again, we have uh, another hearer who hears the word of God and receives it and responds positively. They respond with a positive fashion. They love the word. They love the preaching. They love the church. Yet later on, it says in the text here, it says, worries, riches, and pleasures of this life burden that hearer. Think about all your responsibilities. It could be work. Sometimes we work way too much. Um, it could be home maintenance, going to the gym, uh, leisure, especially leisure on electronic devices in our day, hobbies, relationships. None of these things in and of themselves are sinful or bad. We need these things. We need something that we enjoy. But it can't be things that consume us and choke out the word, whether it's pleasures of this life whether it's riches or even the cares of this world. I've heard someone say this before. I wish I knew where, but I've probably heard it so often um, that maybe I've heard it from multiple sources. If you're too busy to pray, if you're too busy to read the Word, especially if you're too busy to go to church, the answer is you're too busy. Don't let the cares of this world choke out the word of God in your life. Lastly, we have the wonderful, blessed, fruit-bearing hearer in verse 15. But the seed and the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. This is the only Soil represented by a good heart. It's a regenerate heart. Um, All the other ones might have some semblance, some show of a liking of the things of God, but in the end, fall away. This is a transformed heart. It is a soil that is marked by a heart that is born from above. And such a person holds fast to the word of God. Uh, they have certain trees that have shallow roots. They grow, like, they grow like this. And when the storms come, the tree can topple over because the roots are just kind of shallow. But then you have other truths, trees that have what we call a tap root. It goes down deep, deep, deep into the ground. And I don't care what kind of winds are going to hit that tree. That tree is going to break before it gets uprooted. That's the kind of rootedness we should pray that we have in Christ and in the Holy Gospel. Only being rooted in Christ are you able to bear fruit unto the Christian faith. Again, as we studied, you are to understand the kingdom of God and even the nature of salvation and the nature of God's work of His Word in us through use of this parable of the soils. We have the giving of the parable. We have the reason for the parables. And the reason was for some it had been given. To others it had not been given. 
But brothers and sisters, you are blessed because you are able to sit under and hear the word, not just the parable, but even the interpretation of the parable. And this blessed interpretation of the parable should mark us to question, what sort of soil are we? Are we the one that hears the word and then when the word comes, it's snatched away by the evil one? Are we that rocky soil hearer that has no root, no firm root, that will just dehydrate when persecution comes? Are we that soil that's overladen by the weeds and the thorny weeds of this world where we're being choked out by the cares and the the riches and the, the worries of this world? the pleasures of this world? Or we like that good soil with the deep tap root rooted in Christ? Now the good news of the gospel is this. If you look at yourself and you say, maybe I'm more like that rocky soil. Maybe I'm more like that weed-laden soil. Pray to God. Pray to God just as he promised that he can do a heart transformation and take a stony heart and give you a heart of flesh, a believing heart, pray to God that he can do a soil transformation in your life, that he can break up those hard clods of sin, those hard chunks of dirt, and give you fertile soil, and that he would help you by his grace to weed up the cares and the concerns so that you could live holy and fully, for Jesus Christ, and that you would bear forth much fruit. But the first place in being rooted in Christ is first being rooted in the gospel. That Jesus Christ died for sinners such as you, that he was raised from the dead on the third day for sinners such as you, and that all who put their faith in him shall never perish, because Jesus Christ has washed those who believe in him clean and made their robes white by his blood. Be rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you that by your word that you can give us growth and we pray that you would break up the hardness of our hearts and that you would make us fertile soil, that you would help us by your, your grace to weed out the sin that so easily besets us. And help us, we pray, to grow in grace that we would bring forth much fruit, even a hundredfold unto you, O God. For we ask all these things in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. For our concluding hymn, our hymn of dedication, We'll stand and sing 551, We Plow the Fields, 551. (coughs) 